Hello, everyone, and welcome. Uh, my name is Adam Cross. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California. And today I am back with Michael Gasparo. I think the last time we recorded, I said Gasparo. And then on our first retreat, I was like, I'm, I've been saying his name wrong forever. It's... No right or wrong. You can say it either <laughs> way. I say Gasparo, you say Gasparo, potato, <laughs> potato. <laughs> All right. Well, Michael, do you want to introduce yourself briefly again? Yeah, sure. So I'm Michael Gasparo, and I am a licensed marriage family therapist and licensed professional clinical counselor in the state of California. Adam and I have known each other for years, and we've been working together to create content for Catholic individuals and groups that can help them inter interweave or intertwine their faith and their mental health journey together. I guess that's a passion of mine. And I try to speak about this in various areas in media and also as a therapist, try to advocate for my clients to face their mental health issues in a way that integrates their faith. That was the word I was looking for, integrates, but I said intertwine. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, no, and, and we're excited because um, actually in this next month, uh, we're recording at the beginning of Lent, we're, we're offering a Lenten retreat, you know, a Catholic Lenten retreat coming up. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that today um, and kind of um, part of that and something we're going to be discussing at this retreat is is really he healing our wounds and God's plan uh, of healing for our wounds, but also specifically um, really kind of the hope of, of the resurrection within Lent and even looking at our wounds um, and that I know we have some thoughts on this since Lent isn't just about suffering and sitting in your suffering and, and kind of woe is me. And, but there's also a hope within the, within the, the lacking, you know, and, and the woundedness at times. And, um, and there's a, the promise of resurrection and healing and uniting ourselves to Christ within all that. So I don't know, Michael, any thoughts on, on that kind of jumping into it? Yeah. Whenever you talk about remembering the resurrection or in the hope of the resurrection during Lent, I think of the reality that the church sets aside Sundays and does not include them in the calendar of the Lenten season. So we have 40 days of Lent and Sundays during that season, hmm. meaning that every Sundays, I hear it called like a mini Easter. I'm sure there's a Latin phrase for it. I'm not a theologian. I just appreciate that the church reminds us that every Sunday we're celebrating the resurrection because we keep in mind the hope of the resurrection as we bring our wounds to Christ, that's important to me because otherwise we don't just remember the death, also the resurrection of the Lord. It changes the the way we even look at the things we give up from it. It's detaching so that we may be better able to be a, a receiver or to be a vessel for Christ's power in his resurrection and, and uniting our sacrifice to his in a way that helps us participate all the more deeply in his resurrection. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, I was definitely um, enjoying the celebration of the resurrection yet, uh, two days ago on Sunday when I was eating pizza, <laughs> unhealthy foods, <laughs> but I, and I'm a foodie. So for me, it's like, that's a big thing. It, you know, like mm. I really love like a good meal. That's maybe not so healthy for me. Um, and, uh, so on Sunday I was really intentionally like, like enjoying foods I, I liked, but 
in a specific way of like of like inviting god into it like god thank you so much this is great you know like celebrate yeah you're savoring it life yeah yeah and i think that's a huge change for me personally because in college i absolutely thought like lent was like you go hardcore and like you're trying to suffer as much as you can like for jesus because he suffered um and i don't think that's 100% wrong but i think in college i was missing this this aspect of like you're doing you're giving up things that are kind of taking your time and your attention and your focus um so that you can spend more time and you can grow in relationship and even dependence on christ right mm. it's not just like the absence it's also the further welcoming in you know jesus into our hearts into our lives and i think that's what i was missing i was like i'm just gonna go hardcore but it's like you know what lent's not all about being hardcore like sometimes lent is about like like listening to god and just like resting with god mm. um and i think we can even miss that like in the gospels we hear a lot like jesus went off alone and prayed right um you know the gospel reading um this sunday was like jesus is baptized and he receives the Holy spirit. And then he goes off into the desert for 40 days and he's not living on food from the earth. He's living on the word of God, right? He's living on the Holy spirit. And, um, you know, I think we Lent is also this time to really embrace that too, that mm. we're kind of distancing ourselves from like this material, uh, world in some ways, you know, attachments that we have, which aren't bad in and of themselves, but we're relying more so on being fed by the word of God and really relying on the Holy Spirit during this time. Yeah. And whenever we're going through the season of Lent too, it can be, I, I've already looked on a Catholic psychotherapy group that I'm in talking about how do we relate mental health issues to what we sacrifice for Lent? And how do we know when it's tipping the scale towards something unhealthy in a emotional and psychological context for something that seems spiritually beneficial and sometimes lent when you have that mindset like you said i'm just going to go hardcore like it's a competition that can be the the seeds are planted for spiritual dysfunction because then we're not listening to the holy spirit i think one thing that comes to my mind is the widow who gave the small coin but it was all she had and so it was her heart and the I don't know exactly what, but perhaps the size of her intention, the the bigness of her intention within her own heart that was most important to God. And so I think it's listening, like you said, to even God, what are you asking of me to detach from and being humble enough to say, okay, this is what I'm being called to give up. Even if to other people, it might not look like a big thing, it might be the thing that you can do right now, or it might be the thing that God is asking of you. For me, for instance, I've tried to, as I'm still solidifying, like what I want to do, I know we're into Lent right now and I'm, I'm brainstorming still and journaling about it. And I'm thinking like, what is this thing and that thing? And one thing I noticed throughout that process is I had a sense that God was impressing upon me, or maybe it was just my own thinking on this, that in the time of Lent, I'm detaching from the things that are making me miserable, that are becoming a master of me. I should not have other things mastering me. So with my phone, I'm thinking of things that I can do to 
detach more from my phone, not because it's bad to enjoy my phone for its own sake at times, but because in some ways my phone is becoming, I'm becoming a servant to that device. So the things that I perceive God is asking me to give up this Lent are things that are already contributing to my unhappiness in some way. It doesn't mean that's the case in all situations. Maybe God is calling someone else to give up something that isn't a master of their heart and mind, but he wants for other reasons for them to detach from that good for the time being. But another danger, and I'll pass the microphone back to you after this, but another danger here is thinking that because we're giving it up, it's intrinsically bad. Mm -hmm. But a lot of these, as we know as Christians, are what some people call legitimate pleasures. They're things that are good or a sensory good. They're not morally good or evil though. And so giving them up is for our own good, for our spiritual good, and not to, you know, in Psalm 51, we're not trying to please God with our burnt offerings, but a contrite and humble heart is pleasing to the Lord. And so when I'm preparing for Lent, I want to keep my mind on that. Like it's not the big, large thing that I can do to prove something to God, but it's opening my heart and my mind to trying to be humble to what he's asking of me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's so much good stuff that you said in there and uh, you know, a lot of stuff was coming to my mind and um, yeah, I think there's uh, first of all, the, recently I was reading through uh, Father Jacques Philippe's interior freedom and towards the end, he said something that really stuck out to me and kind of hit home for me is he said the God will sometimes permit someone to become lukewarm in their faith to show them that there's nothing that they can do to earn God's love. Right. Mm -hmm. And for someone who's worked in the church for almost 10 years, like I was like, oof, oof, you know, cause like I can sometimes feel like oh, I'm not doing as much, right. I'm not as active. Maybe, maybe I'm not loving God enough or maybe God's not going to love me enough. And that mentality can kind of seep into Lent, especially where it's like, I need to be doing more uh, or, or maybe I'm lukewarm. Right. But this kind of reminder, like sometimes God is saying like, I want you to actually do less because your works are not what define your goodness and are not what define the graces I'm pouring out upon you. Right. Like oftentimes less is more, especially in our modern day society. It's like, no, do less, please. <laughs> and just receive that love from God because it can be so tempting to think, oh, I have to do more to get more. That's not how God works. You know, it really isn't. Um, but are you going to say something? Well, I'm going to further support what you're saying. And, and the phrase that came to my mind is whatever I give up for Lent is God's gift to me. So it's really not about what I'm giving to God, but what he's giving to me through something I'm willing to be uh, surrendered to. And I think for a lot of time in my life, I always took it as a chance to prove, like you're saying, my non-lukewarmness, if you will, my on fire for God mentality. Yeah. and slowly in my life, I'm seeing more that it's important to strip away my ego or my pride and not make an idol of a pride out of that and surrender instead to what God is inviting of me through listening, through being slow, slowing down, being open-hearted prayer. And I think one other thing that comes to mind with, with regard to let for me and what you're talking about is that it's also okay to be happy, all of our emotions. So all of our emotions are healthy, all of them. 
every single one without exception. Now we need to bring them under the guidance of our intellect and ultimately bring both of those things, our intellect and our emotions, our passions and our intellect under the guidance of God and his grace. But Pope Francis tells us in one of his, his, his encyclicals, um, I think the title in English was on holiness in today's world. It came out a few years ago. I'm sorry, I can't remember the Latin title right now. I think it was Gaudete et Exultate. Mm, we'll have to double check. We'll have to fact check that one. But um, <laughs> yeah. But it was in that where he, he during his section on an often overlooked church teaching, I'm air quoting because that's what the section's called, and it's about the primacy of grace. And he says, mm. only when first, and this is a summary of what he's saying, so you can get the direct quote on your own, we on the basis of freely accepting and humbly receiving the unmerited gift of friendship with God, can we then participate for our own spiritual growth? Mm. And last Lent, that was the theme for me before I started deciding anything. I laid that down before God and I said, I freely accept and I humbly receive the unmerited gift of friendship with you through, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now show me where you're inviting me to grow. Mm -hmm. And I think it was the most spiritually fruitful experience of my life, or at least Lent experience, Lenten experience, because I was guided by our Holy Father and uh, Pope Francis's words on the surrender of my pride around what Lent was going to be about last year. And I'm not saying that to pump myself up, but just it's like one beggar showing another where some food is, you know, like I'm a beggar. I found this little morsel and I'm like, hey, listen, this helped me a lot to not have so much anxiety attached. And it's still a struggle for me. So I'm not saying it perfectly undid the knot of years of scrupulous struggles, but it was a significant breakthrough from of grace for me. Yeah, I yeah, I totally resonate that because with that, because that's the hardest part for me. And, and part of my Lenten goal is just to to really set that time apart with God every day more intentionally and for a little bit longer. And that's, that's hard because I just think like, well, I have to do these things, you know, and it's, it's difficult to kind of stop and just receive, you know, sit with the word of God, uh, just kind of like lean into his presence. Um, so yeah, it's God's grace. Isn't something we can earn. It's not something that we'll check these boxes and then we'll get it. You know, it's a free gift of friendship of, of communion, you know, and, and, and that, that can be hard to just receive to, you know, it's like, what's the catch, you know, what do I got to do? And it's, so, I mean, talking about healing wounds, there's stuff there, right. Where it, there's lies there where it's like, okay, what do I got to do? What's the catch God? You know, this is too good to be true type thing. And, and yeah. we learn that in life, in our experiences with family, parents, you know, uh, a lot of things where we can just feel like, oh no, I have to if I want a reward, I have to get straight A's, right? And then mm -hmm. my parents will be happy. And then we project that onto God, right? Mm -hmm. Th those types of similar things. And, and God, God's something else. He's not, he's not like that, right? which is really good. But it's, it's easy for us as humans to kind of take mentally what we've experienced as children or as adults and to kind of assume without much thought, like, oh, well, God's the same way. Right. And that comes up a lot for me with clients and working with scrupulosity, even with myself, obviously, I realize like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm expecting from God what, what I expect for myself. Right. Like I look at people this way and I'm, I'm assuming God looks at people this way. And it's like, 
like you said, like pride sometimes has to die <laughs> or it does have to die. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, God will even let us fail in a certain areas of life for us to realize that like we need him and that maybe he's something bigger or different than what we make him out to be. Um, and I think there's kind of a pitfall with Lent is, and I've experienced this. I have clients who experience this where they set a goal for Lent and they say, I want to work on this. And then they fail miserably. And then they're treating it like they've committed a mortal sin. Right. It's like, I said, no TV. And I watched TV one night. It's like, Oh my gosh. It's like, like you said, TV is not actually bad. Like, like it, it in and of itself, it's not a bad thing. And you're striving to grow closer to God, but just because you failed in, in your weakness and, and you're striving for something, first of all, it's not a grave, it's not grave in nature, right? Like you, you, you made a promise, which is, is also weak at best <laughs> towards God, but, but like, that's not suddenly like, oh, I'm in sin. It just means you're, you're reliant on God more in this struggle or at this attachment. And, um, and so I guess what I'm saying is like, if we fail at something we're working on in Lent, it doesn't mean we're a failure. It doesn't even mean we're in sin necessarily. Right. Um, but it does, it does mean that like we can further invite God into it and God's not surprised if we, if we mess up or you know, aren't perfect. Right. He sees that coming. Um, so. Absolutely. Yeah. And part of what you said is in line with Hans Urs von Balthasar when he writes in one of his, in the, one of the only things of his that I've actually <laughs> read on my own which is love alone is credible. Uh, mm. He talks about part of the, he says part of the work of faith is to believe against all doubt that the Christian story is too good to be true because mm. he says it's one of the hardest things to believe because it is so incredible. So mm. it's not surprising that we tend towards trying to imagine a version of Christianity that's easier to believe. It's hard to believe how incredible the gift that we've been given is. So I think it's helpful for me to know that high-level theology in the church and people who are writing with great heart and faith are also saying, this is difficult to believe, but don't sell your faith short for some lesser version of how good our faith, of how good Jesus is. And with regard to what we give up for Lent, I think that's a great opportunity to think of it as a plan as opposed to perhaps like a covenant. And I don't know if that's, you know, somebody, if you're listening online and you're a theologian, please <laughs> let me know if I've misspoken. <laughs> but a below. covenant, yeah, <laughs> a covenant to me would imply like some kind of breach that is really sinful. We think of like, I think of like Noah and Abraham and people who are in, in Israel and the story of Israel and these like deep covenants with the Lord. And we are in a covenantal relationship with the Lord, but the, the Lenten practices, I don't, my understanding, Adam, is similar to yours. I don't think it's, unless what you've given up is a sin, I don't think it's intrinsically a sin if you yeah. fail in your Lenten practice. Is that right? Yeah. Or am I misunderstanding? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, TV is not you know, watching TV is not grave, you know, it's not grave in nature, right? Or eating chocolate, <laughs> you know, and so it's our, our, our plans. And I like that, that wordage, our plans are not commandments, right? They don't become commandments. And so, right. 
we have to look at them as these are these are healthy goals I'm setting to grow closer to Christ. These aren't even, even temptations necessarily for sin. Yeah, and even if there is an element, sin is about breaking relationship with God, with myself, with the community. And so even then, even if it is a sin, for instance, if you do something that the church has kind of laid out, for instance, don't eat meat on Fridays and and you sin, we want to really remember that any occasion of sin is an opportunity for God's mercy to bring us deeper back into the heart of Christ, not an opportunity for us to, to self-flagellate and earn our, our right to feel God's love again after we properly punish ourselves. That's not a healthy attitude. That's not a, I think I don't think it's a correct spiritual attitude. And also for me, I struggle with scrupulosity. So when I set Lenten commitments, they become the source of anxiety at times for me. And that can't be from God. I have to keep reminding myself, okay, God says he wants me to be in peace. So if I'm approaching this Lenten sacrifice in a way that's stirring deep anxiety in me, there may be something for me to look at here as a different way of approaching this. Mm -hmm. And that's why I like the idea of having a plan and then having self-compassion when we don't live up to the plan. And even I would go so far as to say is if, if it's a plan and you intentionally choose to shift the plan, enjoying the thing you shifted is not the problem. Meaning, so if you say to yourself, I'm not going to watch TV this week, don't kid yourself. If you on Wednesday night decide I'm going to watch an episode of blah, blah, blah TV show, just own it. Okay, I'm not following through with my plan tonight. I, I failed perhaps in this plan. And I really enjoyed that show. And what can I learn from it? And having compassion on yourself. What was happening? Let's be curious. What was happening earlier that made my plan feel so untenable? What was going on mm -hmm. in my emotional life and my spiritual life? I gave this up to help myself. So why did I want to surrender that plan? Hmm. Was it because I was stressed at work? Was it because I wasn't trusting God enough with my worries? Was it because I'm attached to this and it's really difficult right now for me? And having curiosity, you can't learn from something you don't have curiosity about. And so if, if you go to self-criticism, good luck learning from it. You probably won't. But if you have curiosity and compassion, you may actually grow from the failure to follow through with the plan which is yeah. the purpose of Lent, growing in reliance on God, growing in surrender to the mercy of the Lord. So that's how I am trying to look at it for my own life right now. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's key, right? And I think what you said is like, if you gave up TV and you watch TV, it's like, why? You know, without judgment, right? Without like, how dare you? How could you have watched? That's so, it's like, no, like, wow. Okay, so I was really feeling the need and the desire to watch TV. So what about TV is, is appealing and what was leading me to that? Like, do I use TV to, to cope? Do I, do I use, you know, do I watch TV to kind of have a break mentally from a hard day? Like that's all really important information that you can then take and then adjust your plan, right? Accordingly. It's like, okay, well, here's what I need. Like I, I need some time to, you know, step away from my daily life and I'm doing that with TV. Is there any other way I could do that? Right. Or, you know, is, is a good show like once a week? Okay. And I'm just trying to minimize that and turn to God other ways. So like you're saying that curiosity is healthy and it helps you to even adjust and, and grow in an understanding of yourself 
which is really good. And I, I have, you know, kind of like going back to the sin thing too, when it comes to Lent, like I've had people uh, say like, Oh, I'm going to give up porn for Lent. And it's like, that's a great goal, but we're always kind of trying to give up porn, right? Like we're always trying to give up sin. And so if you make this like effort in Lent of like, well, I'm going to just not sin. It's like, oof, (laughs) that might be a recipe for failure, right? And when it comes to healing wounds, there's certain areas of our life where if you say, well, I'm just not going to sin, I'm just not going to do this thing that I've always struggled with, that could actually be, uh, that could actually be a real trigger for shame, right? It's like, well, even outside of Lent, you don't want to watch porn, right? So what if you give up YouTube, which is a trigger to then watch porn, you know? So it's, it's being really understanding and patient with yourself too. Like this isn't like, I'm going to be perfect by the time Easter's here. It's like, no, like we have to help ourselves. So maybe instead of giving up this big giant thing that you're struggling with, it's like, start with one of those really large triggers that might lead you to that sin. Right. Hmm. Or like someone's like, yeah, I struggle with insomnia. I'm going to give it my pillow for life. It's like, no, no, maybe you need that pillow. Like maybe the pillow is a good thing. We don't want to make this like harder. <laughs> we don't want to make this maybe an, a bigger trigger for you, right? To to live a good life. I don't know if that makes sense, but we have to be yeah, I think that's in great. tune with ourselves and, and, and patient with ourselves in this process. Well, and in tune with yourself makes me think of the word harmony. I, I've heard that Pope mm-hmm. Francis has said this as well. I'm sure others too. I, at least I resonate with it, that it's not just about balance in people's lives because balance is a term that kind of implies that there's a, in our society, like a one size fits all recipe for how much time you should be spending doing A activity and B activity work and leisure. And instead ask yourself, what keeps me in harmony with myself and with, with Mm. God as he created me to be. And that is why when we're giving up for Lent, I think we should be really careful not to compare ourselves with others. And when we're looking at healing wounds, if you want to drop back to, or bring it back to that for the retreat, especially during Lent and this retreat, we're going to have a time of reflection, like you're saying on not just what am I doing, but why am I doing it? What are the spiritual and psychological factors that are influencing this decision chain of events? And that's why I really like what you brought up about giving up YouTube. It's oftentimes the things we do leading up to the final moment when we choose something really bad for ourselves that are the small moments we've missed along the way that could really help stop that path and it or stop that in its tracks basically so i think it's really wise to think not just what do i give up for sin but what are the factors around that and by the way true good and beautiful things are never bad in themselves so during the time of lent it's not the time to stop noticing and enjoying true good and beautiful things so if you're giving up for me, if we're kind of talking about giving up things for Lent, if you're giving up something that is maybe something you really enjoy and good, what else can you replace that with that is enjoyable, that is true and good and beautiful? Because if you take too many things away, but don't redirect your focus, it's going to be a less fruitful experience than if you take the absence of these things to focus more on this other good. And in Lent, a lot of times, that's why prayer, fasting, almsgiving go together. If we fast from this, we redirect our focus towards 
a good and beautiful and true thing like our prayer life or the sacraments or helping the needy or helping our family. Often almsgiving is seen as helping the poor, but what about the poor in spirit? What about the people that are annoying to us in our lives? How are we helping them? And in our wounds, sometimes we're blinded by especially the people around us. I think it's the hardest to treat with love and respect the people who we interact with daily. It's almost easier to be nice to a stranger on the street. So I think that's another element of this retreat is we're going to talk about how do our wounds influence how we see the people in our immediate circle and what are we doing to help uncover the relationship patterns that lead us towards sin as well. Do you fight with your mom? Mm -hmm. And that's the moment when the trigger starts. Then you go to YouTube, you numb out, and then you're on porn 10 minutes later. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like once you're in that, like, oh, do I click on this link, you know, to watch this mode? It's like the opportunity is kind of passed, right? Like, obviously, there's still free will there, but it's, it's temptation is much stronger than if you're just kind of like looking at kind of I don't know, random, maybe not so helpful videos on YouTube for 10 minutes that are sparking some, some images or things in your head. It's like, that's the time to make some decisions or before that, you know, rather than kind of at the moment of, of decision, but, um, you know, kind of looking at our retreat too. So we're going to be at Padre Sarah Parish, um, Camarillo, California, March 25th. Um, this Lent, we're going to be looking at, our baptismal identity, which is so key in, in terms of healing and understanding that God is calling us to himself and what he wants for us. We're going to be looking at, um, like Michael's saying, you know, different areas in our life where things that keep popping up for us, right? Maybe it's in our relationships, maybe it's in our mental health, anxiety, you know, different, different issues that, that keep arising to be able to understand the roots of, of these issues that we're encountering and then being able to unite our wounds to Christ and ultimately with the promise of resurrection that God wants to heal, that there's a promise of new life, that God doesn't want us to just stay in the suffering, right? Jesus in the gospels, I mean, he healed so much. He preached the, the gospel and he healed people. Um, there wasn't one person in the gospel where he met and he said, Oh, sorry, you're going to have to stay like this. Like that didn't happen. Like he healed people. And, and I think too, like, Going into Lent, wherever you're at, or, you know, whenever you're watching this, you know, going back to the gospel when Jesus was baptized and then he goes into the desert and he's fasting for 40 days. Um, we could, as humans, we could look at that and say, that sounds terrible. How did he do that? Right? Like, like that's, that's terrible. He's alone. He, you know, but to realize like he had just received the Holy Spirit right? and he is with God and he is with the God of abundance um, and so, yeah, from a human perspective, there could be a lacking, but spiritually there's an extreme abundance there, right? That, that during Lent, we're trying to tap into God's abundance, God's love, God's healing for our life. And so that's, that's what we're going to be touching upon for in this retreat. You know, we're recognizing our attachments and, and good steps to take in this Lenten season to grow closer to Christ. But ultimately we're relying on God's abundance and what he says about our identities within that abundance, right? Within his sacraments, within his church. So hopefully you can join us uh, March 25th. If you're watching this, um, we hope to do more retreats in the future. If, if you're watching it after Lent, <laughs> so you haven't missed out. Um, but any, any final remarks, Michael? The last thing I would say is for my life right now, I'm trying to reflect on the idea that, and I said this a little bit earlier, anything we're invited to do 
in our relationship with God in the church is for our own good. Mm. It's not for God's sake. Mm. He does not need us. He created us with no need. And you mentioned it earlier. We have relationships in our human families that are good oftentimes, but no family is perfect. And we learn ways of human love and relating in a human manner. And Lent can be a time where especially that gets triggered because its emphasis is often on what we are doing, which is not necessarily bad, but it is not for God's sake that we do this, but for our own good. We are offered the opportunity to take a deeper dive in our spiritual and mental and psychological, emotional well-being and attachments this Lent and in this retreat for our own good, for God's glory. Amen. Yeah. God's doing a lot for, for us, for you during this Lent. And this is the time to look at just how much he loves you. Right. And to really Amen. to that. So, yeah, we hope to see you at our retreat or a future retreat coming up. And if you have any comments or questions, um, leave a comment below. Um, give this this video or podcast episode a share. And Michael, any place they can reach you or, or find more of your content? You can find me on catholictherapists.com or psychology today. If you want to reach out questions about therapy or how I work and beside that, you know, come to Adam's website and come join us for their tree to be awesome to have you there we really had a great experience last time we got a lot of good feedback from the people who have participated in the retreat and hoping to continue that and just have have fun together too to enjoy each other's company and to draw closer to god's heart together yeah yeah we we love doing retreats it, it's it's always good you know just seeing god work and meeting people and walking with people it's great so Okay. Well, thank you so much for watching and God bless. See ya.